Welcome to the Kids Like You and Me podcast. We're here with Jesse DeFrancisco. Jesse's played in Phase, Soft Eyes, Deep Leans, and most recently, Development. How's it going, Jesse? Hey guys, how's it going? Good to be here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on. From Philadelphia? Yep, uh, live from Philly. I've been here, I think, almost, uh, I think four and a half years now. Yeah, which is crazy. Time flies. <laughs> Truly yeah, crazy. The last time I saw you was, I believe, at the Super Wimpy Fest at the Cambridge Elks Lodge, February yeah. 2017. And it was about, that was about four years ago. Yeah, four years ago this month. And you'd already uh, been in Philly, I think, at that point. Yeah, I, I remember that show. Um, it's funny because I, I, I came across uh, photos of that show, the way my camera on my phone works it's that's like a starting point of one of, of the photos app because I guess I got a phone different from then or something but those photos are like some of the first ones and um yeah I was looking through those the other day of, of some of the bands that I played and um I was taking a lot of selfies I guess back then uh with with people from Boston but yeah it's been a while yeah yeah no I I, I know it's just sort of thinking about it that it's, it's been so long since uh those days in in boston uh and you you were originally from haverhill i am right? um i'm from i was uh you know grew up in haverhill mass uh my entire life um and yeah i moved to boston in so i graduated in i graduated high school in 2010 and uh you know, I got into a small, like, businessy college in Boston uh, for music uh, production. Um, and uh, that that's kind of what brought me what brought me to Boston. I knew I really wanted to go to Boston for college. Um, but everywhere was really expensive. And I also wasn't the best student in high school. So I did what I could to get where I could. And um, yeah, moved to Boston. But cool. I grew up in Haverhill. I think um, some uh, KLAM alumni are also from Haverhill. I think uh, I know you guys had Travis on here not too long ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, he's a Haverhill person. And uh, yep. Lucas Gaudreau, also Haverhill. Uh, right. And they were in the new highway, Himmel, together. Yep. Did you know them? Like, so did you know them before they were in like playing shows and stuff like that did you know them from from high school or something or? no i i didn't meet them until summer i guess it would have been summer of 2011 maybe summer fall or winter oh, of wow. that year um they so i went to whittier a, a high school called whittier Botech, and uh i know lucas went to Haverhill high school um and uh, I, I don't know where I don't think Travis went to Haverhill High School but so we all went to different high schools so and I yeah. we never we never crossed paths because I didn't really do music in Haverhill very much um the the scene in Haverhill at the time when I was in high school was um uh, uh Merrimack Valley Hardcore was uh was the big was a huge huge deal um and I just really wasn't into that sound or scene so um I didn't really you know have like a social music world really um and yeah i met them um when i started uh they played a show at 
the house uh, venue I started uh, running uh, in Boston and we met, I think I remember it actually really vividly. Like I, the show had ended and we were in my basement and I was like, you know, where you, I, we got on the topic of where we were from and you know, they, they were all like, oh, well, we live in Lowell, but we're from, we're all from Haverhill. And I was like, oh my God, no way. That's crazy. You know, cause at the time I lived in Boston for maybe uh, just shy of a year um, and, uh, or maybe going on a year at that point. And, uh, you know, I, I, no one leaves Haverhill. Uh, so it was really cool <laughs> to, to find people, you know, that were doing cool things uh that uh we were brought together through doing something that i had uh kind of went out to find um it was a really cool moment and, and you know though i i still talk to to lucas and uh see travis on social media and stuff um lifelong friends yeah awesome oh, wow. yeah to your i was gonna say so rob zombie and gracie jackson also left April. so there's three i can count three people yeah. uh, rob zombie that's so funny i always forget rob zombies from Haverhill. um and he's <laughs> i i'm like i love his his horror movies i think there's mm -hmm. they're some of my favorite horror horror flicks um you know i mean parts of them haven't really aged too great but the <laughs> the elements of gore that he uses i think i i love like effects makeup and i think it's really i love the stuff he does um and it's funny you bring up Gracie because I actually, Gracie yeah. is someone I yeah. met in, in Haverhill. You say um, you worked with her at Whole Foods, right? We worked at Whole Foods together. I know. I had to get my Nardwar piece of like tidbit. That in is there. such a Nardwar piece. Oh my <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. The first time I met her on my Whole Foods shift, um, she was really cool, way cooler than I was at the time. I was in high school still. And we got lunch. And ironically enough, we got. Um, we got cheesesteaks at this like sandwich shop up the street from Whole Foods. And uh, she kind of gave me the nickname at Whole Foods. This was like, like probably 15 years ago, maybe. Uh, she gave me the nickname cheesesteak at, uh, at Whole Foods. <laughs> and now I live, live here in Philly. So it's kind of, maybe she predicted wow. something. <laughs> Did you talk about music at all with her? I wasn't really involved with music or didn't really listen to even cool music at that time. I was just like a high schooler. I, I loved like, you know, like whatever top 40 alt rock was going on during that period. But I did know she was a musician. Um, she talked about it a little bit, um, but I didn't know really what was going on with her other than that. Um, you know that I knew she 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 played music. Um, yeah, I wasn't that cool back then. I was like a anxious like high school teenager who kept uh, stayed at home all the time. But that I met we saw I uh, I re met Gracie again uh, a few years later through Boston, and we connected on that uh, the whole being Whole Foods alumni. <laughs> wow, nice. So. You hear about like the shows and seeing Boston uh, through the like music school, or just like on your on your own, or there's some other connection. Um, that was on my own. So I yeah, I went to college in I guess September of 2010, and I went for like one semester, and I was like, this just isn't 
for me, I really don't want to be doing school right now. I remember that I had a really, I have a really distinct like memory of sitting in this like audio production classroom, learning about microphones from this professor. And just my brain was like completely somewhere else. Like, yeah. I want to be good. I want to be doing cool things right now. I want to like, this isn't what I, the journey I want really. Um, so I, I left college, like, I think, after like one semester and then moved moved home really briefly for the winter and then that spring I had a college friend um who I ended up being um you know my roommate when I moved back to Boston we got this place in Alston um I got a job and I got a place in Alston with we, we shared a bedroom um in this house um in, I think we moved in in the summer of 2011, like early summer. And it was kind of, I kind of was seeking it out and I kind of stumbled upon it. Um, I, I think I, I found a lot and made a lot of friends and connections into Boston music from the job that I had gotten. I worked at, at the time, I, my first job in Boston as like a not in college 18 year old was at uh, the Newberry Comics Warehouse, which is in um, oh. in Brighton. It's I, I think it's still there. Um, it's where the New Balance building is. Um, and I got a job there and it was like a nine to five warehouse job. And my job there was uh, putting those stickers on the CDs, like those pink stickers and the white stickers. Right. Like it, they called it tagging. And I did that for a while and ended up doing vinyl and stuff. and um every every punk in Alston at the time worked at this at this warehouse um anyone that had like a, that wasn't doing school and had like a house venue was it seemed to seem to work at this warehouse and that summer um you know I was just working with you know these people becoming my friends and eventually got uh got invited to a house show and um uh I think it was my first house show was at prob there's a house called problem house and it yeah. was oh, yeah. ac across from the butcher shop. Um, nice. And I think the bands that played was honey bunnies and hmm. I think ski mask played also. Nice. That makes sense. That was a, uh, not that show, but that, um, that same venue was our first, uh alston host show cool. cool uh peach kelly pop was playing and that's how we like heard about the show and she was on tour from ottawa at the time she was living in ottawa and uh cal mark sarah lee and the scamps played oh my god that's amazing I, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if i was at that show i probably was uh wouldn't be wouldn't doubt it yeah yeah, yeah wouldn't I, doubt I, it. sarah lee was like one of my favorite bands uh come out come yes. out of that that scene um i i think i tried to go to like every Sarah Lee show <laughs> I, I was a bit of a fan yeah. <laughs> um yeah i definitely remember you being at their at their shows i was that was that was a big band for us as well it's like sort of they're one of those bands where i like i associate them with the memory of uh alston basement and like they, their yeah. sound is just so unique to that i 
for some reason they have like i don't know maybe it's just like my own uh, thought about it but and maybe it is my own association with the memory but i feel like yeah if i wanted to show someone a band from austin basement days that, that would be like it'd be like sarah lee and ski mask that mm, essential yeah would be the two yeah right the the, the deep cuts um yeah it's cool totally this was a cool house <laughs> yeah we only, unfortunately, we only made it out there a couple of times. By the time, like, we started getting more involved with it, it, it was already, like, done, I think, by that point. But, like, when I mean, like, more, like, involved in the scene. Um, but uh, I was going to ask you, so Twin Towers was the host that you lived at, right? Yeah, yes, indeed it was. Uh, it was on Highgate Street. Um, and I moved in... It was a house full of BU kids, actually. They were all like art kids from BU um, and myself and my friend who didn't go to BU. I didn't go to school at all. And my friend Leo didn't go, didn't go to BU and we moved into this art house from BU kids and met a lot of really, the roommates there were really cool. Um, I think there was like one roommate who was an asshole, um, but there's, I guess there's one in every situation. Um, <laughs> unfortunately but yeah so we moved in i remember the day we moved in we were putting we were bringing in like between us we had like five milk crates of records and we were just moving those into it we we're moving our stuff in a room and like the house was just like crawling with like crust punks um and i was like hey what, what's going on tonight what's and i asked uh there were two two people that lived there uh who were twins, they were twin sisters and they were really into the punk scene in, in Austin at the time and they threw punk shows. So they were this, they started, they kind of started and showed me you could throw shows in your basement. And they had a band playing that night called Night Fever, um, which is a German, I think they're from Germany, they're like a German punk band. Um, and that was that night I went down into the basement and was like, oh cool, I live here. <laughs> it yeah. was this crazy you know I'd never seen that many kids at a house it was a huge show and I'd never seen that many kids at a show at a house before um and I that kind of moment going I, re I remember going down into the basement like I think there's like a really distinct smell that comes out of basement shows yeah. um and I remember, I remember walking downstairs and seeing this like crazy band in this crazy mosh pit in my basement. I was like, okay, this is it. This is what I was looking for. I'm gonna chill for a while here, and uh, and I did. Yeah. It's awesome. I started th started throwing my own shows, um, but yeah, the name Twin Towers came from um, the two twin sisters that lived there, um, and I still have a sparse contact with them. Um, they actually, one of them moved across the country, and I saw them. Uh, at a bar in in Washington State, um, maybe like three years ago, and they're still doing their thing, and it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, they were two like uh, serendipitous, like inspirational people in my my music kind of journey. Um, but yeah, Twin Towers was the house, and then we had to yeah. then then we got new roommates, and we had to change the band the the house name because people were offended. But whatever. Oh really? <laughs> well, oh, what was it, what was it changed to? Uh, we called it um, Austin City Limits. Uh, we hmm. changed it to Austin yeah. City Limits. Um, and 
yeah, that name stuck. That was cool with me. I didn't, I didn't really cool. care. I just wanted I just wanted to throw shows. That was yeah. that was my mo. Totally. It was um. So actually, I, I just learned that I never made it out there, unfortunately. Um, but we we uh that so I guess that that house came back though. We did a show at um there a couple of years ago, and it was called uh, they called the Ted House. Um, and apparently I, I just learned as well that it was also had been a show house like eight years before that, uh, before your time, like in like 2003 and that's cool. um, which, you know, way before my time as well. Oh, but, uh, so I'm that glad to, so I like to hear, yeah, I like to hear that's passing down, but, um, was, so, was this uh, show, sorry, was the show that you went to, was it on, do you remember if it was on the left or the right side? Um, I think I it was on the left, left side. Right? Oh, cool. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my side. Cool. Are you playing music at that time? Not really. Um, I had just bought a guitar like that winter, actually. I, you know, I kind of just am celebrating 10 years of playing guitar. But um, yeah, I didn't play. And I, I think that was like my catalyst to throw shows was I wasn't really a player. I wasn't comfortable playing. Um, but I wanted to be involved and facilitate music and facilitate, you know, people being able to see it and connect with it. Uh, so, you know, my next best thing was to uh, throw shows. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you, well, I, I don't, I don't know if that was the first time, well, with phase, back then oh yeah that was my uh, i was just solo I, I was that was your first okay yeah i was just so excited on that because i remember seeing you around and i think i figured that you had maybe played before that or or whatnot but when that came out big fan over oh, here i'm so glad i'm glad you liked it it got written up weirdly like some someone i didn't even know wrote up uh the wrote a review of it, a really short review of the the cd that the album that i put out in um in the dig because the dig was the, as the i don't even wow. know if the dig is still around but it, it got written up so. in the dig um and the boston hassle also wrote about it too but i kind of had a had an in there <laughs> right yeah i remember <laughs> uh you writing um articles or boston hassle um because i think i saw your name first before I met you in person. Um, that's, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then I believe we met at a show at the Sinclair, it was like Waves, King Tough, and Jacuzzi Boys. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and, and when we met, we realized that we had all these like mutual connections and, and stuff like that. And we'd been at tons of shows. I think we, we may have even seen each other around by that point because this was like 2013. Yeah, I'm sure we like saw each other in passing a lot yeah. before we actually- We had to. funny how that kind of works. Yeah, yeah, it's funny how that works when you're in, especially I think in that time in that specific uh, community, I think it, it was so tight knit in a way, you know, everyone knew everyone through one person or something or through one right. band or through being at the same show. Um, but yeah, I did. I wrote for the hassle really early on. I think the hassle was still on a, it wasn't on newsprint then. It was like, right. I think it was just a big piece of paper. Um, and I, I met, I had met them through 
you know, they got word of my house and started, I was like, they, you know, Dan and Sam wanted to throw shows at the space. And I just said yes to everything <laughs> to, you know, I'm sure to some of the chagrin of my roommates at the time, but um, that's how I kind of got introduced to the hassle. Sam was like, yeah, I have this like newspaper, man. And I was like, cool. And he's like, you ever want to throw shows? And he has such like a distinct uh, kind of candor about him. Um, and, you know, I just said yes. And then I was throwing shows. I was throwing shows for, you know, at that house, I realized reflecting back on it, that I ended up throwing shows for a lot of different communities that were, I didn't really, you know, just throw one kind of show. And I really am now appreciative of that. Like I remember throwing noise shows, uh, bands like uh, Arvard No, Ski Mask, uh, random noisy touring bands. Uh, I threw like some really punk shows um, that, you know, maybe I wasn't even super into the music, but like I wanted it to happen. And then I also threw like kind of that hassle vibe. Uh, I mean, hassle covered all of that, but I, I threw that the more, um, kind of approachable air quote kind of kind of show as well um it was just for me it was just i wanted i had this house i had these roommates that said yes and it was the more the better for me it was my way of kind of expressing myself musically through a space um and i think that's something i still try to do in some capacity that's amazing i mean i i really do love the I mean, I just love obviously like the house sort of house shows as event, as venues themselves. And I think that a lot of times that can be like undervalued, you know, just even within like, you know, this, you know, the scene itself. But I, I just love hearing your perspective as someone who ran a house show space and with the intention of booking all different kinds of things and you know I, I know, just it just I just appreciate hearing that and I think that we that sort of like logic was inspirational to us you know even if we didn't you know even if we were actually there at Twin Towers with you though just being within that community at that time that sort of thing where you know was inspiring to, to us and it, we didn't you know, know you but you inspired us yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Good. Then I did the right thing looking back on it then. Um, yeah. yeah, I well, mean inspiring others and inspiring inspiring kind of that community, right? It was yeah. pretty early on in that that period of Boston music uh I think was kind of just coming to a a, a hot spot. I remember that summer it was like summer 2011 into in in summer of 2012 were like Boston was popping off. It seemed like summers. it. Yeah. There was my, there was, I was, before this, I like went through in my head of all the, the house shows. And I remember there being times where like, there was a show at my house. There was a show at, uh, at Problem House. There was a show at the Borough. There was a show at uh, the Butcher Shop. There was a show at, um, I'm forgetting it. There's another. There's another one in Lower Alston uh, at the time, and Black Lodge hadn't happened yet. Um, right. There was, and then there would maybe be a show at um, 
at the box for which was right down like you could see that from my front steps and like at any given friday night there'd be i think that's like six venues with six shows <laughs> happening and um yeah it was just like kind of you could just walk around the neighborhood and find a cool show uh they were they were popping off there was some good good stuff going on there was something going on in boston at that time with like underground uh rock punk noise diy music that i think uh I, I have never seen it happen anywhere else mm. since then. Um, and I think it was, it was just, you know, that was my kind of, I, I attribute that to being like my music education. Uh, like in, I left college to find that. And I think that gave me a lot of, um, it, it prepared me for a lot of other things. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense totally. And, to your point earlier too, I, I've always felt like um, school's pretty overrated, you know, depending on what it is, I guess. Like, I think if you have to be like a doctor, certain things you have to learn, but but I've just never been a big fan of learning in the conventional sense, rather more like discovering things. And I think what you're describing is, is you know, exactly that where, you know, I, I can't imagine, there's no way anyone would have been in a classroom to be like, like these are the bands that you should check. You know, what I mean, you kind of yeah. just be in that environment. You know, that would have been. And cool, <laughs> I mean, that would be a cool course. <laughs> <laughs> underground, underground music, and your homework is to go see a show at uh, at the butcher shop. Yeah, right. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll teach that class. Someday. Yeah, you would be a good professor. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I actually, yeah, you you would be a great professor, Jesse. I was going to say, um, I did write for the noise at one point and I got college credit for that. And I remember, uh, you know, so I would just, all I had to do was write about the shows and stuff like that, which I was already doing anyway. And it, awesome. that was just, it was just like, yeah, it was great to be like, oh, and that like, so that it's like that counts as a class. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. it was an education. It was totally an yeah. education. Totally. Um, it, Oh, I was going to say, too, in that time, too, it's like, like I was saying before that Sinclair show, I remember it's like talking to you and then like within days, seeing you at like other shows, like, um, you know, like at the, it's like the Cambridge Elks Lodge or whatever is that, like the Halloween show, with the uh, like Fat Creeps or the Cramps and Nice Guys with the Mummies and Designer played as Blink-182 and Girl oh Toss. That was so fun. Yeah. Wow. I remember that. I remember wrapping uh matt and jake and alex in a like weird cloth that we had beforehand and we you know rolling rolling up to that gig that was so Damn. fun that was so i feel i think nice guys um you know I, I i ran with that was like those were my that was my crew for that period of time and i think that was like my second phase of boston music um that was I think I met I met them in like 2000 I think I met them in somewhere in 2012 2013 um from a friend um my friend Sonam who came to my house and we met each other and you know it was they are one of those people that you know you meet certain people throughout your life and it, you you can look and like make eye contact and you know you're just instantly connected with and you know all they're they're just instantly 
on your level. Um, and Sonam's one of those people. So I started hanging out with the, with them all the time. Um, and they were friends with nice guys because nice they all went to school together. Um, right. And that's kind of how I discover how I met those people. And at the time, I think my house was kind of slowly coming to its end. Um, because we moved out, I think, in 2013, and it was slowly coming to an end. And, you know, I was, at that point, I had kind of, you know, met everyone in Boston who did music and was now kind of taking a more backseat because I knew my house was ending and, you know, let someone else have that spotlight for a while too. And maybe someone else can book them. But yeah, Sonam, uh, is uh, I sh they actually own a coffee shop that's like two houses down from my house here in Philly. Oh, that's um, awesome! Oh, wow! And, and okay. uh, we I see Sonam every day <laughs> still. <laughs> wow, um, okay, yeah, I, I credit I credit Sonam with fostering that, that friendship and relationship and kind of bringing me into like what would be the next kind of phase of my musical. Uh, musical life in Boston, which was, you know, hanging out with nice guys, you know, being inspired by them there. Mm. And because at the time still, I wasn't ready to play my own music, uh, even really alone, uh, let alone with the band. Um, and I was just always really, I knew I wanted to be around it. And, uh, you know, I just would chill at practices and go to every show. We'd all kind of roll as a crew together to their shows and, um, and then they they ended up like my worlds collided of, of them starting to get shows and me seeing all these people I had been seeing for years now that they were just starting to meet. And it was like, cool, this is, again, this feels like where I'm supposed to be right now in a way. Um, and it was, uh, it was kind of that next chapter after like the house show days um, was like hanging out with that group and, and fostering that. Um, yeah, that was cool. That was a cool period of time. That that Halloween show, oh my God, that was yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think even uh, in that, I, remember, I just remember I, that month. Um, I mean, that whole time frame is amazing. Like all those years, but I remember that month in particular. There was just a lot of shows that um, I was, you know, we were still kind of getting, you know, it was still kind of a longer process for us that we were just getting into stuff more and more but i remember it's like going out to like jp driving and um you know just uh like seeing free pizza i think for the first time uh yeah, seeing, santi's band yeah 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 and uh yeah i mean it was that was that was just a great time but uh yeah, it was cool to see the music scene morph into a new thing kind of because around that yeah. time it was um and i think yeah those shows were were amazing that that jp drive-in venue was great yeah sure, totally. totally it seems like we had to because um, nice guys they are i think for us as well going to a, a lot of their shows at that time was such a yeah. big force to get us more involved they yeah they brought i think a lot of people together um both in the music scene and kind of in the peripheral area of like friend community art people um i feel like a lot of at the time you know everyone was really 
they were like i feel like they were that band that you know find out playing is playing like oh nice guys are playing and like instantly i know who's going to be at that show and it's usually yeah. like the same group of like core 25 people and then like maybe 20 more other people that are kind of more peripheral but yeah it was just kind of a, a cool thing to like nice guys are playing at charlie's okay great cool right. sounds good see you next monday for the for the same thing and that felt really that felt really good yeah totally and you know one thing about them i think this is true of like uh another band you know we mentioned or we've mentioned before uh members of like uh oh no i did mention the halloween show fat creeps and they both played that that show i think uh you know with both of those two bands um you know i feel like they were on a lot of different kinds of bills that Mm -hmm. you know i mean i think helped and especially i think with like with nice guys uh where they you know they they were on so many different kinds of builds with so many different bands that i think that was a big way um you know for all of us to to hear all these different kinds of bands um i just in my like i think just like looking back at our our like old calendars of show, show calendars we, i can kind of like trace like oh this is when i like this band played with this band and this is the first time i heard them and you know um yeah <laughs> that's cool yeah the bills i remember you know some of those bills were were wild uh going kind of just being a roadie for nice guys um mm-hmm. i guess i'll just say that um yeah those they, they played with like everyone and yeah to me that was like i like you know at the time i didn't have a band but i i was like i i want my band to you know kind of emulate that energy uh that like Matt and then and Jake and Alex kind of put forth because I mean I think you know between the, the those three the the three of them um you know they their their music tastes are pretty much cover everything um and I think it was reflected in you know kind of the bands that they associated with which was also it could have it could have been everything um yeah did you have a shared love of like the the larger garage stuff that was going on at that time? Was that sort of your? We did. Yeah, we did. We so Sonam at the time, we were all really into. Um, I mean, at the time we were all into Burger Records, like everyone I'm sure was in the early two thousand teens, and we were we were into that vibe. We were into you know more maybe more underground punk stuff as well Mm -hmm. um and yeah that kind of shared garage rock vibe it was something that we we all felt really attached to um and we all wanted to make it happen where we all were and i think that place was boston um so you know between myself uh you know sonam who started booking at charlie's kitchen um, I think around 2013 and, you know, the greater, you know, community of nice guys and, and, and other people, I think we all felt like that was kind of our core kind of glue that held us together as, as friends. Like we were there, it, it felt like we were, uh, doing something, uh, for me at least kind of something a little bigger than, you know, just playing in bands and stuff. We were kind of making our own scene happen in, in this city that we all ended up living in which i think was cool 
Yeah, totally. And you mentioned uh, Charlie's Kitchen, which I uh, I remember Glenn. Uh, I, I I didn't make it out to the show, but Glenn went to a show at Charlie's Kitchen that uh, you face. Uh, had played and he remember he called me up and told me about it because of course I knew you at the time but he, he was really excited about phase and I remember he had a conversation about you too like you're talking about you know, like playing shows or do shows or something or and um you know something about like playing around New England or stuff like that or that like show should expand you know New England but um I don't know I can't remember when that was it may have been June 2014 14. but yeah, it was definitely 2014, and uh, we we'd only booked a few shows by that point. But I remember, I mean, one of our first shows was, was in October of 2014, uh, and Phase played. And, you know, we were yeah, <laughs> we were very we were very blessed to have you. What? Where was that show? Which Bohemia which show was that? Club Bohemia. Club Bohemia with them. Um, yep. Ravi Shavi, Big Buck Hunter, and uh, Gritty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Club Bohemia. That's a venue that I always uh, seem to kind of, uh, uh, it falls by the wayside, but I've had some really good memories there with with the face shows. Uh, There was some festivals, I think, that were thrown there. Did you guys throw festivals there, or was that someone uh, else? We did one year, but there was just like one show. Like the the other two were at the middle. The other two nights were at the Middle East. But I think the Hassle did like after yeah, they parties had bigger, or something. Bigger stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was. I, I definitely saw like a a crazy ski mask show at Club Bohemia. Well, do you? What was the first phase show? I have no do you idea. <laughs> no clue. I mean, maybe at maybe Middlesex lounge for oh, and yeah. maybe 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 it was via spencer growla and mm. may, maybe uh the faggots played uh okay yeah that's cool. Pri- in primordial sound uh, it was a primordial were, sound show it they put on was. Yeah, they used to do like what i think a monthly show in middle sex and that that was the first phase show uh and i my guitar was out of tune it was terrible <laughs> Hey, sometimes um, that's, the that's best. That's the best. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> that's a that's a good pickup. Let's pick up there. Let's pick up uh, in phase, and then we'll kind of go through the soft guys, Steve Green's. Okay. Certainly. Okay.
so you just started with so with phase it was solo i remember you had a song about highgate street or called highgate street am i correct in that maybe or was um, it called or something i don't i don't know but i mean sorry. my instagram handle was highgate street oh for sorry a that's right time uh hold on things. The, the, the band camp to find out if, if, if a listener wants to find um, the, what phases uh, they can go to Highgate Street. Let me see if it even works. I think it's Highgate Street dot bandcamp uh, dot com. And I think that's the page. Yep, there it is. Okay. It works? Yeah, you can, you, can, you can view the two singles. You can view the whole the whole record and then there's adoption agency which is like a brief ep ep barbecue thing that i put out uh, also under the name uh uh that was also phase stuff but the the whole record is is there while wow, i'm looking at the thank yous and this is crazy <laughs> yeah that was insane yeah if, if anyone was, listening wants to know what phases uh, they should they, they check it out highgate Highgatestreet.bandcap.com, ST for street, but yeah. So my first show there was uh, was with 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 that project was uh, definitely uh, a primordial sound showcase via Spencer and and Noah. Um, I had them in the early day in like the early days of two years prior, kind of in the underground uh, house show vibe that was popping off in 2011. There was a house on Greylock Street that I forget the name of. Um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure Noah would know, know the name of it. But um, at the time, Doomstar was a band um, which became Creature Rose. Um, and they just kind of were, 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 they were like older, older sibling, uh, figures in that music scene at that time for me and they were really fostering of 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 anything that I brought to them um and they get they offered me that show which was yeah it was with it was me I opened and I think that I think it was the Barbizon's Faggettes played and I think um Justin Lally's band played. Oh, Earthquake Party? Earthquake Party, yeah. I think it was an Earthquake Party show as well. I think it was like, that was the bill maybe. Um, and then I kind of, I, I played a few shows under phase um, and kind of just let it not fizzle out, but I just didn't really pursue it too much. Um, I just think that was just like, I don't think it was a conscious decision. I just think that's how life worked at the time um but yeah i played that show you had you mentioned uh, that charlie's kitchen bill uh, who else who else who else was on that bill um shame thugs and john flannelly from indiana and soft eyes soft eyes yeah mm -hmm. so we so i played lucas uh was kind of he i think maybe at that time he had probably released his first soft days tape which i got a hold of um, and you know i was in love with that music instantly 
um, that's still like a tape that I, that's like a uh, kind of musical lineage for me. Um, it's a good tape. Uh, it's, it's a good tape, that first one. And the second one's great too. And, you know, we played that show together and I'm sure we played maybe another show together because um, he was also really fostering of of anything that I brought brought across or brought to the table. Um, and then I kind of wasn't gigging really. And I had moved out of Alston in, I think, 2015, 2014. Somewhere in that period of time, I left Alston for a year um, because I had been living with, I had been living with in an apartment. So this was after the Twin Towers venue. I had been living in an apartment and then I moved in with a friend. I moved in with my friend Sonam and then I got the opportunity to move into a warehouse um, in Alston that also threw shows. Um, and it, it was a, it's like a three month period of time this place lasted. Like it was a, it was literally a, uh, it was the warehouse of a moving company that had, you know, defaulted on their lease and just no, they just vacate. They didn't even vacate. They left all the stuff there, was in the warehouse, all this random shit. And we moved in and it was kind of built out like storage units, but mm. each unit didn't have a roof and it was just very cheap plywood room, rooms is the best way I can describe it. And myself and a few people from Butcher Shop and some other like punk, uh, like DIY people moved in and we started building. We built rooms, we built our spaces. We designed this communal living environment. Mind you, this place didn't have a shower. It, the only thing it had was like a toilet. It didn't have a kitchen. We had a grill that we brought inside and put in next to the uh, window in the office portion of this warehouse. Um, the office portion kind of was our living room. And I don't even remember where I showered. <laughs> and we, it was this group of punks living in this space that was not designed to be lived in. And ultimately we threw some crazy shows there. Downtown Boys was the last major show we we uh uh hosted and a wet cheer what cheer brigade what what or what cheer brigade oh yeah was, that that band also right. played and it was the most people i'd ever seen in that where the warehouse was like wall-to-wall -wall packed and this was like a warehouse the size of like i don't even know what to, it was it was massive it was a huge space and we lived in the warehouse portion half of it was sectioned off to live in and half of it was sectioned off as a huge open environment that we could kind of do whatever we wanted to in. And some of us held band practice there. Some people made art installations. It was this really free flowing communal environment um, that we kind of created. Um, Frank Hurricane lived across the hallway from me in his box unit. Um, and uh, my friend Ian lived adjacent. Oh, yeah. To, to me, this, this dude, Ian, uh, who, there were two Ians, I think, in Boston at that time, but he was like the noise Ian. <laughs> um, and um, <laughs> there was musicians and 
painters and and other you know performance artists uh, living in this weird messed up space. And for three months we lived there, and then like one morning, you know, the the landlord who was like this kind of shade Boston guy, who you know up until that point we had never even heard from him, oh, wow. uh, aside from paying him rent, um, and he like came in with the fire department and like found us all sleeping in our rooms and <laughs> we we got evicted kind of on the spot um and then i like remember myself and frank hurricane and someone else who lived in the warehouse at the time went to city hall to like try to see if we had legal ground and i can't even imagine how strange it must have looked like me who was probably 23 at the time maybe and frank hurricane and then this other person who we, we I, it, I i remember going into like the city building and people looking at us like we're insane <laughs> and, and like <laughs> when really we were just kind of fighting for housing but right. um yeah so i had lived there and that's kind of when i I, I one when we got evicted from there, I moved to East Boston, um, and that's kind of where I fostered Faye's stuff. Um, I wrote it. All, a lot of it was written in this apartment building. My my friend had a like a, a two bedroom apartment, and she was so gracious. And she was also in the music scene. My friend Jess uh, Jess D. Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, integral uh, person within that community she said yeah just come live with me and you'll figure it out and that turned into you know we were made i she let me live in her space for a year um and i you know at the time i was still working in austin um and i was going back and forth between east, east boston and austin um and also the the practice space at the sound museum in brighton and I had bought a three uh, Tascam 388 and um, recorded phase. That whole phase record was recorded on a 388 with just me. Um, and that was that that year I kind of that was a year I was removed. I was physically it was the first year ever that I was physically removed from Austin, but still in that community. Um, and, and that's where that record came from. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah, I mean, shit. Wow. I mean, that uh, was the Ian that you referred to. Was that Ian uh, Lippincott? Yeah, Ian Lippincott. Okay. I couldn't remember his last name. I talked to him. Oh, the noisy Ian. Yeah. All the time. The noisy Ian. Right. Uh, he, he, does a, he does really cool electronic music now, also. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, and. He played in phase at that show that we had yeah he did he played yeah. in phase he played bass i think and i think some my friend andrew played drums uh incredible drummer, right, right, incredible right. virtuoso of a musician um and yeah we had that little band and they were they were down to play and we played a few probably maybe like 10 i'm not sure mm -hmm. um and then so that was like, I guess, 2014, 2015. And, and I remember in, when I lived in East Boston, um, it was really close to the ICA. It was just across the water. 
Um, and it was like, it was, I was, so I was going, I was commuting anyway to go see music anyway. And uh, Quilt had a gig at the ICA. They were playing with some concert series, some summer concert outdoor series. It was a beautiful, beautiful venue, beautiful night. They played with Dean Wareham, who is the, who's Galaxy 5000 or Galaxy, Galaxy 500. Oh, Galaxy 500. 500. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. They had a gig at the ICA with, with him and I went and I was in this weird, uh, I mean, it was a weird time for me. I was living in this like really nice apartment in East Boston for free and I felt like an imposter there. And then I also felt like an imposter in Alston because I wasn't living there. And I don't know, it's just, I remember it being like a weird, I was in like flux kind of. And mm -hmm. I went, I went to the gig, I went to the quilt gig. Um, I had known quilt. I had known Shane um, from, from my house show days, uh, quilt put in its early incarnation on its, on their first record played a uh, basement show. Uh, at Highgate Street um, that I took mushrooms for and um, met Shane through that through that we always had that connection Shane was someone who always uh, you know his his um, his approach to art and his ethos were always he he really facilitated folk uh, you know not not folk the sound but folk the the ethos of community of mm -hmm. of of you know, becoming an artist through your own means. Um, and he facilitated like folk and punk through his ethos. So we, I think we connected on that level. And they were playing the ICA at that time, Kevin was also in, in Quilt, uh, Kevin LaRoe. Um, and I had known him from seeing, from being in Moss and seeing them around through, through Luke. Uh, and so I went to the show across the water uh, in 2014, 15, maybe, and being in that headspace of, of like, what am I doing right now with my life? You know, I got, I got kicked out of this place that I thought I felt had a lot of stake in, and now I don't even live in Alston. And like, where do I, like, what am I, where am I belong here? And I wanted to go to the West Coast to, cause I had never been, and I'd always talked about like moving there someday. Um, and I had a friend in the art, in my art world um, that had introduced me to another friend who had lineage on the West Coast. And that was good enough for me. Um, and at the time also a former roommate had moved there. And those two kind of connections, I was like, I gotta get to, I gotta get to the West Coast. I gotta go to Seattle because this is where that roommate lived. Um, and I had been kind of planning a trip, right? Like uh, I was gonna fly there and see my friend and blah, blah, blah. And I mentioned it like really like casually at this show, I think Shane had asked what I was up to. And I, I was like, yeah, I might go to Cal, I might go to the West Coast, go, go to Washington this summer. I don't know. Um, I feel, you know, I felt, I felt about being in Boston and I kind of wanted to just kind of get away. And he will, was about to embark on a US tour to go to tour the West Coast. They were touring out to the West Coast. Um, and he's like, why don't you just come with us and get in the van and we leave in two weeks. Uh, do you want to come? And I 
I said, yeah, sure. You know, I hadn't booked anything. I hadn't really made those plans yet. And I, hmm. I said yes on the spot. And um, two weeks later, I went down to New York and took a, I took a bus down to New York with like a backpack and hopped in the quilt van and went on quilt tour as a quilt roadie. <laughs> um, wow. And we drove, they were, I think they were on their second record then. And uh, we, they, it was a quick drive out. I remember we were, I, they let me drive too, which was cool. Um, we were driving like 12 hours a day and they, I think they had one stop in, uh, uh, what's the town that Prince is from? Um, the, there's that venue in Purple Rain. They played uh, that- Minnesota? They played that venue. Yeah, yeah. In Minnesota? They played that venue in Minnesota. Um, and they were touring out there. They had like a tour booked for the West Coast with Woods, who was really influential to me as well. So that was cool. And they, they had a gig at that venue. That was like the one gig they had on the way out there. So we drove, 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 drove for like three days to Minnesota. They played that gig. And then once once we got to like Minnesota past Chicago was my first experience seeing America and like being like, oh my God, like this is where we live. This is like, like you, you really got a sense of like why people say like, oh, America, cause it, it's just so massive. And mm. it was this spiritual change I, I was going through. And we, they played that gig in Minnesota. And then we, we were in kind of uncharted waters for, for me. Like uh, everything looked different. Everything, I had never seen this landscape before. I had never seen really any of it before. I'd been in the Northeast for forever, um, but it was all, it all started to like sit in, oh, we're in the West now. And then we, we drove out to Montana and spent the night at, in like this cabin on a mountain in random Montana, really isolated. And that was incredible. And then we went to, we drove to Washington um, and they played a, Quilt played a festival in Oregon, mm -hmm. which I went to um, with them. And that was really cool. And it was kind of, a, I think it was around the time like Mac DeMarco was like blowing up. Mm -hmm. It was like right before then. And I, the fe I forget what the, fe the festival was like, pick a, I think it was called Pickathon. Um, and it's like a, it's set on a farm in Oregon and like all these, that year was like a crazy year for this festival. Cause I've looked back at the festival and been like, yeah, okay. These bins are fine. But it was, uh, so Quilt was playing, Woods was there. Um, at the time, like I kind of knew the Woods dudes from being in psych rock for a little while. Um, and developing my own psych rock thing. And they were, I, I would see them around. Um, we had mutuals. Um, War on Drugs was playing. They had released that big record that got them really, that blew up. Uh, Matt DeMarco was their Foxygen. It was like that time of indie rock that was like, all these new bands were starting to become bigger. Um, and, you know, it was like, I was all of a sudden like in the artist tent with all these like crazy, huge 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 acts um and like i was like this is cool uh you know i like just am 
I'm here with my I I remember being like this is great but like I'm here to like support my friend like whatever way I can and like the the upside of that is like you got I got to bounce around to all the different sets and see all these cool bands um so the so quilt brought me kind of to the west coast and then after that festival weekend I went back up they dropped me off at a train station and I in Portland and I took the train up to Olympia to meet a friend of a friend and that was like my first experience on the west coast um and that friend of a friend is someone who I became like a, another lifelong friend I talked to them pretty much every day um and it was through music brought me there and brought me to that person um and that kind of journey was really transformative I think in for me musically and just kind of like not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I remember really distinctly thinking at that time, like, oh, okay, maybe it's time to leave Boston, um, which was a huge thing I think I struggled with for a while because I was so attached and, and so uh, embedded in the community there. And I loved the community there, um, but I, you know, I wasn't getting something. Um, so I kind of made it, kind of like a, a mission to eventually, it was the moment I realized, oh, okay, Boston isn't where you be forever. You know, you might live here for another two years, you might live here for another three years, but eventually be a time where you, you will depart this, this community and being okay with that idea. I think I was, I discovered that on that trip. Um, so anyway, we, I, I had that trip, had that crazy experience, came back, um, uh, came back to my, my apartment in East Boston and was like, cool, what do I do now? <laughs> um, and then Luke was starting to get together a band for Soft Eyes. Uh, and he had asked, he sent me a message and, you know, telling me he was doing just that and asked if I wanted to play in the band. And, you know, at the time I was still, really unsure of myself musically with other people, with peers, with musical peers that I, you know, respected. Um, and I, I said, yeah, I'm down to play, but like, I don't know if I'm that good and I don't even know what I would play in your band. Um, Cause I definitely wasn't, it wasn't really good enough to hold it down on guitar or anything or felt confident or even bass, but I ended up playing bass. Uh, and that was like the first band I played in. And I think I was in Soft Eyes for I think two years. And um, we, you know, we toured all these, Luke was really down his, his ethos with Soft Eyes at the time was let's go to like weird small places that no one ever goes to and like have a cool show and and do something. And we did, we went to all these like random small eastern u.s towns and we we toured up into like deep new england um like we we played a show uh in acadia national park um which i'll never forget it was this really like rainy fall night and there was no one at this bar it was in bar harbor um and uh we played to like maybe four people but like I was like, cool. I, 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 I remember thinking like, okay, cool. I've, I've, I've gotten to a different, I've, I've leveled up somehow in some way. Like 
I don't know if I'm that good at what I'm doing, but I'm here and I'm doing it. And this feels good. So we, so I played in soft eyes for, yeah, I think, I think like two years, maybe just shy of two years. And then um, all, all the while, I should say they, they lived in Barrington, New Hampshire. Um, right. Okay. It, yeah. It, yeah. In that magical, magical farmhouse. Um, yeah. And they, I was commuting from Boston to Barrington for band practice, uh, which is like a two hour drive. Um, and I would, just go up, I would go up there and spend two nights and then come back to Boston. Um, and, and we, we just kind of were a band that way. Um, but they eventually found like a closer basis that was definitely way better than I was and could kind of effortlessly jam with them. And um, I totally like it. Well, there's no like weird, blood or weird vibes or anything. I was just like, yeah, you guys should do that. <laughs> and so I kind of departed Soft Eyes and chilled for another, I think another year. And then we came, I guess we're in 2016 now. And uh, having that Soft Eyes experience under my belt and being like a roadie with Quilt, um, kind of, I, earned, I think I earned some musical stripes in a sense. Or like some merit badges or whatever, um, yeah. just because music works in a strange way like that. Um, but at that point, uh, my a friend, I guess we're in 2016 now. A friend, uh, my friend Jeff, um, he he had always kind of been peripheral, and he, he had a band called Seaplanes, and we never really hung out hung out but I knew he was around and I liked his music and he he kind of liked what I was doing um and he needed a guitar player for this tour that he was going on in the summer of 2016 um it was like a full U.S. tour uh with Waves we were opening for Waves and I kind of joined the band as a touring member for that and mm. that's when kind of the departure from Boston to Philadelphia happened because he lived in Philly at the time and I came to Philly for like six months for for like two weeks before the tour and learned all these songs really on on the fly I think now I don't think I would have said yes to it but at the time I was like yeah I gotta get out of Boston I gotta go do something um I we rehearsed for two weeks and then we were on our way to Phoenix Arizona to start this west coast midwest wow. tour with with wave which was kind of crazy I don't yeah it was yeah moment yeah it must have been pretty wild um playing on those like just playing big stages and stuff like that um it, it was yeah. it was uh i mean i i hope someday you know i play stages that size again i don't think it was my first or last time playing those kind of stages mm -hmm. uh you know not to not to be overconfident or anything, but like I would love to to someday, you know, get to that that level to even open for a, a band on those kind of stages. Um, but yeah, it was really the experience was crazy, crazy fast and crazy good. And I was like, whoa, cool! Suddenly, like I'm this like rock and roller playing these massive shows with to 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 kids which right, was, right which was like a big big element of that was like 
um, I was playing, we were playing like Waves' fan base. I mean, sure, they were like, I was maybe 25 at the time. And, you know, Waves' fan base, sure, it included like our age demographics, but yeah. a lot of these these shows were all ages and mm. you know we were playing to high school kids a lot of the time people were there with their dads and right like in the front row with their dad next to them and that was insane yeah. that was really cool i i i had suddenly i wasn't like playing i i was looking at music not through the lens of playing through for my friends my peers like you guys i was playing for fans of something that was way bigger than i was and that I think felt, it felt really unique. It felt really cool, but it also caused me to kind of look inward more and say, what am I even doing here? What am I, what do I want to, what, what do I want to do with this eventually? Like, cause maybe someday I'd like, like this, I would like this to be my band and what would I want that to look like? And that was kind of the first moment, like my, my awareness of like, being uh, a queer person, a person of color within rock music, that was kind of the first tour that I reflected inward on that and realized maybe maybe I'm slowly discovering what I want to do with music. Maybe it wasn't just playing psych rock and cool rock and roll. Maybe it, there's, there's something more there and I kind of want to explore that. Um, and I think that tour lasted like a month or month and a half um it ended on my birthday and i had my birthday in santa cruz california which was really cool uh those shows were wild um just like the touring family we we made um with waves with with nathan uh nathan's drummer uh and alex gates his drummer his his whole band was x xj reatard's band yeah yeah Um, or um, so Alex Gates as well. So we're Bon and I are really big um, fans of uh, some. So Alex and and um, Stephen in the band they were they're from Memphis and they're they're in some bands that Bon and I just adore. Um, you know we were big Waves fans as well, but um, especially like the earlier stuff. But yeah, no, there was, um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I could go on and on, but I, I don't want to bore you. But uh, yeah, Al, Alex played in a, and Steven, but uh, Alex was in a band called Girls of the Gravitron um, that Glenn and I just adore. There is one of our favorite bands ever. That's really cool. Yeah, I I didn't know that of their mem- their Memphis lineage. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't really mm-hmm. aware of that when I was on the tour. It wasn't until after the tour I like really dug into that and i was like whoa these guys are prolific like yeah. punk rockers um and you know i just you know bonded with them over the span of you know four for four whatever eight weeks um and yeah the the uh i don't know i think it was it was kind of special because i think they kind of picked up on the fact that i was uh on you know i was i was playing in steep leans and and stuff but i think you know we you have those moments on tour where you know everyone's either drunk or something and you like just have those bonding moments that i think are really unique to tour you know maybe you're not even like drinking whatever 
but like you have those mo- there's there's moments that you have on on the road when you no one's in their comfort zone so you're super raw with everyone and i've noticed that happens usually on every tour um with mm. if if you know with with touring bands it 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 happens a lot i've seen it happen a lot and i think you know being out of your comfort zone and being on the road and not having you know that becomes your family um even though it's for a month um i i think you know those people had a really uh profound effect on me it was also the first time i had ever mixed you know my gay identity with being my queer identity with being rock and roll musician because uh a member of wave is also queer um and we would go to gay bars after the shows and just party and throw down (laughs) and it was really cool because you know that was a midwest tour and we were going to these weird gay bars in the middle of nowhere and being in these queer spaces as rock musicians in uh in places that you know maybe queer people aren't as welcomed or accepted into their own communities um whether it's rock and roll or whether it's you know something else and and that for me was like really to have it validated and to have it uplifted by someone as successful as the, the as waves is as, as nathan is as his whole band is was really a moment of like af- affirmation i don't know it was it was really it was really cool and i think it it, it changed kind of my tract it, it helped me change that tract again i think kind of having queer, queerness reaffirmed in such a big way musically it it almost uh you know a, a feeling this kind of imposter syndrome um that i had been feeling maybe for a long time um that maybe i didn't even notice feeling it uh to have it uh kind of almost being given permission to to be in the world of you know rock punk whatever um or indie indie rock specifically um was really was really yeah instrumental it was it it felt like you know i was i was doing i was you know on track of doing I, I, again it was a moment of like here i am i'm i'm where i'm supposed to be now this, this is this feels right um and and touring with waves i think was was big in that way just because you know of of their level of you know musical success but also it, their 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 level of um uh it didn't feel like i was you know we were touring with uh you know air quote big musicians it just felt like i could have met them at a house show somewhere in boston and and it, it, it that's interesting like, yeah it was cool i i don't i don't really know waves history really before that tour i other than their music um you know they're socially where they were and and stuff but yeah it felt right it felt good uh nathan was you know so welcoming and such a um we always had like really long talks about exactly this um 
and he was so absorbent of it um, and uh, willing to listen and willing to, you know, offer his own advice, which, you know, maybe, maybe his, at the time, his advice was like, yeah, who gives a fuck? Like it, mm. music, it belongs to you and you only. So, um, you know, kind of run with that. I don't think he ever said that, but like, that was kind of like the yeah, implied, yeah. implied, um, you know, notion I got from, from that tour and yeah, that tour ended on, on my birthday in Santa Cruz. And that was really cool. Um, and I think we had one more show after that it was in Sacramento, which that part of California, I'd never been, I'd never been to California before. Um, and it was really cool. It was like Santa Cruz is this little seaside town that you have to go through mountains to get into. Um, you like go over, up and over a mountain range and you kind of come down into Santa Cruz. And I remember we almost ran out of gas going over this mountain range and like, you know, like it was like a moment yeah. in, the van, in the van and like, you know, I think Chris, one of the Chris's of Deep Leans was driving and we were oh. all just like, why is the van beeping? Whose door is open? But it was actually like we were running out of gas. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, we had, a, we had a great time. That was a great tour. And then I came home and I, I think it was late, late, late August of 2016 and kind of having spent most of the summer away from Boston, most of the summer in Philly, if I wasn't, you know, on tour. Um, during that tour, a lot of my boss, my close Boston friends had moved to Philly by then. Uh, Sonam, uh, Kate, uh, you know, a lot of Boston uh, people had moved. There was like this weird right. of like, <laughs> yeah, of of Boston people that moved down to Philly, and I was like, cool, yeah, me too. Um, so I kind of like came home, and in two weeks, packed up my shit and figured out a place to live. And I got a job at Whole Foods again, which was the third time in my life I ended up working for Whole Foods. <laughs> um, and yeah. I, I came, I, that's when kind of the Philadelphia journey began. Um, at that time, I think you know, Steep Leans wasn't, St that tour with Steep Leans was kind of the last tour of that, I think, incarnation of Steep Leans. Uh, you know, I was kind of a guest appearance in that band. Uh, I was more of a player. Um, Corey was the founding uh was one of the founding guitar players and founding members. Um, and he was unable to go on that tour. So I kind of had big, I felt like I had really big shoes to fill. Um, so I kind of went into that tour knowing it was, I was, you know, this band could maybe be a band I, I'm gonna be in for a while or, you know, it, I might just be filling someone's place and either way I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I moved to Philly based off of my own, you know, kind of thing and rather not uh, based off of the band I was going to be in. Um, and then at that time, I think Jeff kind of took some time off from music to kind of recalibrate and, uh, you know, reassess his own stuff and which I think is super important. And I think he moved back up to Boston and I stayed in Philly and moved here and kind of started my my new life here my the next chapter of me of you know what would become my musical 
same, my musical vibe. Um, yeah, that was like 2016, I think September of 2016 after that tour. It was cool. It's a cool tour. Totally, yeah. No, that, that's awesome. And uh, it's funny that uh, with Steepleens, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you know, the, those, uh, I think almost all of them, uh, except uh, you were fr uh, from our hometown of uh, uh, Wakefield. Wakefield, yeah, they're all Wakefield. Wakefield yeah. guys. Yep, us too. Um, that's cool. I I remember Wakefield, the, the, the sound of Wakefield uh, is very distinct when you take the commuter rail up to from Boston to Wakefield. It's like that voice is like ingrained in my head for all of those stops. Because oh, it's on the Haverhill line? It's on or the Haverhill line, yeah. And when I first went to college before I got an apartment in Boston, I took, I commuted every day to school on the commuter rail. And it was just like, I, I'll just like, that voice is just like, I, I think permanently in my head of a computer person saying Wakefield, Andover, you know, Ballardvale, wow. Haverhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> very very weird like mass uh quirk of i think life um mm. yeah that's cool yeah wakefield's, wakefield's cool i practiced up there with with steepleys i think once or twice yeah cool yeah and so so yeah i guess i think the last time circling back to like beginning the conversation i think the last time i saw you was uh february 2017 and you had already been in philly at that point um so when you got to philly was there you know you know a sense of like oh this is kind of like what the scene is you know were you navigating your way through there because there were some other boston expats with you um were you going out to shows playing shows or I wasn't, so I got to Philly and I was like, uh, I don't know if it was a conscientious, like a conscious decision, but I didn't really go to shows. Mm. I didn't really throw myself into the scene here at all. Um, I saw a few shows here and there and most of them were ex-Boston people, maybe that even weren't Philly based that were coming through right. on tours. Um, okay. I kind of really stepped back and I think for, from 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 shows, from going to it, and I think part of it was because I wanted to kind of acclimate in this new city without, you know, the element of music being the main source. I wanted to kind of, I was going to gay bars a lot more. I was, nice. you know, socializing in, in queer communities that weren't music-based. Um, and I really, that was something I'd never really done in Boston. And, you know, it kind of took a year to, um, to or maybe maybe less than a year. I took those first few months in Philly to kind of just, you know, coming off of that tour to kind of just like not really engage musically, um, you know, not not for any, you know, uh, you know, from any bad, like negative standpoint, but just right. to kind of, again, see see what else was out there socially because up until that point in my life music was the only outlet 
for me socially and as far as nightlife went socially like music was it like I was going to shows all the time and that's all I was doing and Philly has a really cool like the cool cool neighborhood uh, which is called the neighborhood Um, and there's um, like every there's so many gay queer bars in in that part of town um, that uh, Boston kind of didn't have um, you know, Boston at the time had Machine, which I heard is now gone. And, you know, Machine was like kind of that club atmosphere, typical like dance vibe, which I wasn't yeah. really into. But Philly had like, Philly has a bar called uh, The Bike Stop, which is like this cool old school, like leather culture. Mm. Like there's a basement where, you know, anything and everything goes on. And it was this cool, like, it was the punk culture of queerness. Okay, cool. I, I be, hmm. It was like a punk bar for, for gay men um, and for queer people. And um, I remember discovering this bar when I first moved here kind of on an internet search. And it was like, you know, like, yeah, the underground leather queer bar of Philly. Like, oh, I gotta go there sometime. And then, you know, as time wore on, I, I made, you know, queer friends in Philly and kind of frequented this bar, you know, it became my new, the, the place that I would just go to, to hang out on, you know, a weekend um, or on a night off. It was like, it was, it was like bike stop I would go to with my queer friends and L Bar, which is really popular bar in, in, in Fishtown. Um, I would go to with my music friends. Like you can walk into L Bar at any given night and see like seven people from different seven different bands wow. and it was it's cool to have that balance and sometimes those worlds would cross over i'd see people from elbar at elbar from bike stop and bike stop and vice versa and at the time i wasn't still wasn't really doing shows i was just kind of being uh existing socially in in, in different cultures of, of nightlife um and then um I I think I started kind of re rejoining the show world in a way. I was still still going to my friends' shows, but I wasn't seeking out anything new um, in Philly, which is I kind of not regret, but I wish I had done more because um, it was a cool time to come to Philly. There was some cool shows going on. There's still there's still cool cool artists in Philly. I think Philly has this uh, this world of music that. I only just started discovering and then, you know, maybe a year later pandemic hit. Right, right, right. I was just listening to, um, I don't know if it's pronounced TVO or TiVo. Do you know that band? TiVo, yeah. Uh, That's um, ex-Boston people. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, One of their members... I think at least one of their members uh, is a is a person named Ali, and uh, they were they were in the Boston punk art community. Okay, wow. Yeah, they did. A, I have the tape um, of the tour split tape with the Cavemen, or I think it's yeah. a tour. Yeah, the split the Cavemen, and we we actually played a show with them. There's a uh, Cavemen, Tivo, and Johnny and the Food Masters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Johnny and the Food Masters. Oh, man. 
Uh, yeah, Tebow's uh, Xbox. They have Boston lineage. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't even realize that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, their member, one of their members at least, is is was a big a big person in Boston Boston punk music and has is in a few other you know bigger projects. Um, incredible musicians. I think I, I've seen a few of their shows actually, and I've always been kind of like those bands that you see and you're like, whoa, that's, they've completely shown me something uh, new that I love. Yeah. Hell yeah. So before we get into olden, olden York, which I've, I forgot to, uh, I apologize again, I (laughs) in my introduction, Um, any other like Philly fans for us to check out? Um, oh yeah, I've actually totally. never been, and I, I've you know know so many people such as yourself. Yeah, haven't been migrated there, yeah. and you know it sounds like an awesome scene. It's a great place, um, and, and the scene you know up until COVID was popping, um, I just kind of started getting back into it. You know, maybe a year, a year and a half before the the pandemic hit, um, but. Uh, some Philly bands, uh, yeah, TiVo was one of them. This band Juice, who I think took oh, a, okay. hiatus, a hiatus, but cool punk band. Don't know I'm in that uh, band. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yeah, that's right. I remember hearing um, this band uh, Control Top, which is Philly based. I don't know that they live in Philly anymore, um, but really cool. Also punk band. Um, uh, you know, kind of on the indie side of things, this band, The Verns, which uh, I was playing in uh, up until 2020. Um, I did a tour with, I did a tour with them. Uh, uh, they're really cool. Um, there's a cool band called 16 Jackies, again, more indie. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting other bands that are incredible that I've seen. Uh, oh, Friendship is a really cool like folk inspired I, old new york played a i think a few shows with friendship philly based um god yeah the list goes on body body heat is another project of someone in philly it's like really percussive based and okay. r&b ish uh philly has so much philly has such a range of music that i never thought it had um, until I moved here and kind of started, you know, listening uh, more actively. But yeah, I mean, I think up until me moving to Philly, my idea of Philly music was like Kurt Vile and the War on Drugs. But it's, um, I think they've transcended Philly now, and Philly's music is so much more than that, and it's it's so rich. Um, I'm kind of excited for, you know, a year or year and a half from now when things can open back up um to see what happens but yeah friendship the burns uh tivo juice um caveman uh yeah of course. all good philly bands control top good people um yeah and there's a band that uh, we know called mavis the dog that are based out of philly that i i think you, you dig um i've played with them okay yeah, yeah totally i think i played with them maybe with the verns i think that would make sense yeah mm-hmm. they stand out and in a way that 
bands I've played with hearing their name stand out. So I assume I've played with them. Um, if not, I've seen their show. Um, yeah, that must have been a few years ago or two or three years ago now. But yeah, I'm familiar with them. Cool. I'm going to check them out again. Hell yeah. Sweet. Um, so when did you playing with Olden Yoke? I started in Olden Yoke, I think maybe in 2017. I'm really so weird how like I feel like the older you get the more the years just kind of like I feel like that's such a like a thing to say but like, <laughs> no, it's true though it just yeah. like it seems like everything just blends together yeah I, I I'm like thankful I have music to be a landmark of my life <laughs> in different tours are like that's oh true. yeah that was this year I was this true. age and and this tour was that year and that's kind of how I keep track of things I don't know how like normal people do it um, yeah I know yeah seriously but Odenyoke started, um, I had always kind of kept contact with Shane and with Quilt, um, just because so early on, you know, of uh, that trip that we took, um, we were friends and had been friends. Um, so I'd always kept in contact with them. And I think Quilt had put out their last record and everyone had gone their separate ways. John was doing the yawns. Uh, I think Anna was taking a break. Uh, Kevin was, they had all kind of scat scattered and, and Shane, I, I don't, I honestly don't really remember how it came to be. I think it, it was like someone's birthday. I think maybe it was Kevin or Anna's birthday party everyone was meeting up all these heads from from boston psych music scene that that like that new hampshire crew um i think we were we all met up to go see michael hurley in upstate new york um he played this really small bar i don't even remember the name of it it was like somewhere in kingston um for i think it was kevin's birthday or maybe it was john's birthday i don't know um and shane showed up um, and I went up there because I had made a plan to, uh, maybe it was Anna's birthday, someone's birthday, made a plan to go up and see them. We rent, there was, a house was rented and we hung out at the house after we went to Michael Hurley at this bar and then went to this hot house, like Airbnb with a jacuzzi and like had like a birthday celebration. I think it was Anna's birthday now that I'm thinking of it. Um, and I had seen Shane, I saw Shane, Shane came to that show with uh with katie um who i had met had met that night at that show and shane had kind of talked to me about a new project of his uh before that and then i saw him at the show and we we had kicked around the idea through messaging like you know he had mentioned he'd be interested in and you know hanging out and, and and jamming his new his new project and you know he sent me some demos and i was really into them um and that show happened and i think that show happened and then he sent me demos um but we kind of reconnected at that at that that gig uh in upstate new york um to see michael hurley and um he we he had sent he sent me demos i think maybe a month later and you know i really liked them i mean there was definitely stuff i was uh you know my that was in my kind of range of 
of, of ability to play and of wanting to play. Um, and he hadn't recorded a record yet. He just had the demos, the early demos of the songs that would become Onyok's first record. And um, it was like summer maybe of 2017, Onyok started playing, playing shows and he was getting his live band together. And I, you know, ended up being in it. I was going up to New York, like for like three days a week um, from Philly, just to kind of play these songs, learn these songs, and also like write pieces of music for these songs. Um, and we we tour, we played, I think for that spring, I think we played like spring 2017, early summer, we, we started playing together as a band with, um, with uh, our bassist, his name's Pete, Pete Wagner. He's a Baltimore bass guy, but lived in New York. And then our drummer, uh, Dan, who was ex-Boston, ex-Boston, but Berkeley Boston and not underground Boston. Um, <laughs> incredibly talented drummer. Um, we all started coming together for, for to play on under Orden Yoke and I think it was maybe midsummer or or September that we went into the studio and recorded uh, the self-titled record um, in in a, in a studio I had been in before, just kind of sitting in on quilt sessions. We recorded it in this really beautiful space uh, in Brooklyn. Um, I don't know the name of the studio, Gary's Electric or something. Anyway, beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. space. I had never really been in a, a, a pro studio like that. Um, and we we did the record, I think, in five days. We tracked the record in five days. And then, um, you know, Shane did, Shane and Katie, you know, the, the driving forces, it's, it's their band. Um, they, they did the rest of the stuff, you know, elsewhere and in different, different stages. But yeah, um, I, I had, I think I, you know, I got into that band from knowing Shane for so long from, uh, you know, maybe expressing, wanting to play music with him and um, yeah, it just kind of worked. It was cool. Mm. It felt really organic um, and really, uh, and really, really great. It was also, um, I was kind of, again, rejoining the music world in, in a sense of like having spent a few months away from it. Um, and yeah, we recorded the record and then, uh, just as soon we started, I think that record came out in February of 2018 and we had a crazy record release show. Um, <laughs> and we started touring it for all of 2018 and then some of 2019. Right. Yeah. No, I remember. Um, unfortunately, I don't think I've. Uh, I don't think I've actually seen Olden Yoke, but I remember Jason Treps. I think uh, put on. I think it was like a lily pad that you played here in Boston. Yeah, we played the lily pad with. I don't know who else. Uh, I don't know who else was on that gig, but um, I th think Bong Wish played. Hmm. Sounds about right. You played um, KEXP? Yeah, no, we did. Played KEXP uh, 
that was cool. Um, it was definitely like a moment of, of again, I think again, those musical, those merit badges. I yeah, it's good on that resume. Um, that was uh that was on our west coast tour we did a tour with megabog um i don't know if you guys are familiar with with that band no, so um they really cool band um it's fronted by um uh aaron they're this incredibly talented uh, musician um and i they, they they had toured with bands like uh like Ian, um, yeah. Ian, Ian Sweet had done some tours with them. I think they've toured with bands like Big Thief and stuff um, in the early days of Big Thief. And I don't know who who knew Aaron, but we we did like a, a co uh, a, a pretty small low key tour with 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 Megabug and um, throughout through up and down the west coast. And that was the tour we played KEXP on, um, and that was really cool uh i remember being really nervous um in a way that i've never been nervous for a show i think mainly because it was like live and like on the air and like i was still kind of coming into my still kind of felt like i was getting comfortable with guitar playing um even at that stage it was just like yeah cheryl waters kind of floated in and you know had you know said hello and then like went into her Cheryl Waters mode of if you've ever watched a KEXP session um, of, of of being that kind of like iconic radio host we're all used to watching and it felt just really surreal um, but it was cool and then we had a great show after that we the we played with Megabug at this place in at this little like uh, this neighborhood in Washington that's actually like the historically it's like the seaside neighborhood of Seattle it's like where all the fishermen lived um back in the day and it's this really unique little place um we played with Megabog and and this band Ihi I-J-I um and yeah it was a really special show it was one of the better shows of that tour it was a cool tour up and down the west coast I'd never really seen the the California that intimately before and played venue I had played venues in California but we were playing smaller venues than previous a previous tour so it was really fun KEXP. damn yeah yeah no it's, it's pretty wild I, I have seen some of the KEXP videos where I can imagine that being yeah being pretty wild because they do there are a lot of like big names and stuff like that and it's just a big you know thing it's cool seeing you on there um, yeah and like seeing kevin play at least oh yeah both of you i think i know i'm sure you know there's been other people but particularly you two seeing you play on there it's it pretty trippy just all the different people tuning in from every which way you know yeah yeah it felt trippy it felt trippy for sure uh i mean that studio is so beautiful and kxp i think is so i hope you know i hope i play there again someday yeah so tell us about uh development your your new project yeah so you know after old new i you know old new never really ended it was just mm -hmm. like people moved we went our different ways and it was just like a logistics thing um 
and it just didn't really make sense to keep it uh, such a large band. Uh, I think those songs held 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 their own with just Shane and Katie in a way that um, is equally as immersive as you know a full band. But so after that, I played. In, I joined a band in Philly of Philly friends. Um, that I had met when I moved here through working at Whole Foods that did cool music um, and they needed a bassist. So I hopped in on bass for like a year and a half and we did a big tour together uh, in 2019. In, this, in the fall of 2019, we did a big like US tour. Um, uh, the, the, the band, The Verns. Um, and then, you know, kind COVID hit and the Verns had had, you know, plans to keep playing and keep touring. Um, and I think I did too, you know, along with them, but then COVID hit and then, uh, you know, we weren't practicing. Um, and then, you know, kind of the George Floyd stuff happened. Um, and I think, you know, everywhere, it seemed, you know, every city kind of had their, their, their movements. It was it was really cool to see that because I remember pro. I remember marching in like for Michael Brown in Boston, like through City Hall back. You know, all those years. Like that was like six years ago or seven years ago now. And you know, to to see the movement grow in such a way. I remember like seeing people's feeds from Boston that were were also marching the same. You know, it's that, there's that whole period of time in our country. Um, it caused me even more so to like look inward, to 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 see who where I existed in music, and you know, for me at the time that this past summer, what was this past summer, which kind of feels like ages ago, in this like COVID uh, euphoria that we weirdly live in. Um, we, I, I looked inward and I was like, what am I doing in, in, in music? What is this going to look like when we can come back together and be in the venues that we want to be in and play shows that we want to play shows in? And um, I had, I have a really close relationship with, with the guys in the Verns um, and, you know, they're so understanding and, you know, um, I had kind of mentioned to them like, hey, like, you know, I'm kind of, my mind's in another place, like, right now, um, and I, I, you know, I amicably kind of pulled away from that band, you know, to, to kind of not work on music at all. Um, this past year, I did, like, a, a program for coding, uh, but similar coding adjacent to kind of find a remote job, which was driven by the wanting to tour again. Um, cause if you can work remotely, you can tour, <laughs> which I found out through old Yoke because one of the members worked remotely and I was like, that's a, that's a good idea. Wow. Um, <laughs> so it just so happened that I ended up doing it during COVID and I focused on that and, um, I finished that in November and felt the need to make music again. Um, I did make, I made like a really big statement, you know, over the summer that like I was, I wanted to leave music and I wanted to, you know, I didn't, those spaces weren't mine and they were never mine. And I still think that's true in a sense. Um, in a way, 
in some shape or form those shows those spaces were were not you know not a detrimental compromise but what i found through you know kind of looking inward that being triggered by you know the events of the summer and you know my own kind of uh identity journey i i wanted my i wanted when whenever i make music again publicly or play a show again i wanted it to be fully uh something that i felt all parts of myself were engaged in um and to do that, I, I realized, I was like, well, I just kind of, I guess I have to start a band. <laughs> um, uh, and I had, you know, I've been writing on and off for the past four years since moving to Philly. Um, and this winter kind of hunkered down and, you know, wrote, tried, tried to get out a record's worth of material or what could be, could be hammered out into a record's worth of material. Um, and the name development I had had for a while. Um, one of the first songs I wrote, I, I, in you know, I didn't really share it with anyone, but I, you know, labeled it in my computer as development, and then the song title. Um, and I, I think that that name kind of just stuck. Um, and this past you know only re like really recently like i think uh in december i re-recorded some acoustic stuff and sent it to a friend um who records uh who is is the main was one of the main core members of the verns he has a great recording space and he's really he, he's he's so talented to work with um i was like i have these songs they're pretty much just sketches uh but like, I know I feel comfortable working with you. Like, let's make them real songs. Um, and then actually just this past weekend, we, uh, we went into his studio um, and, you know, finished two songs, uh, which are the first two of hopefully, you know, a record of some sort and the name under, under that name. Yeah. I think my future goals for it is to, I don't, I don't know if I have any, just to kind of, I'd like to get the songs out first and feel feel good with them, and then, you know, uh, we'll get across all of those other bridges when we get to it. Definitely want to play shows again, though. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we ask everyone this question, but speaking of shows coming back again, when do you think shows will return? Like people being in venues together. Yeah, uh, I. I think uh, this Travis's K Lamb podcast is in my head because I listened to it like a week ago, um, right. and he put it really well. And I, I I totally agree with him. I think people are gonna throw shows sooner than they should. Sure. I think, I think on the other side of that, I think it's up to us as you know maybe mind as being mindful uh, a, a mind mindful community um, to to maybe wait a little bit longer than we want to. Um, for me, I think I also think it's a personal decision, um, but for me, I, unless, you know, something, unless something drastically changes with this vaccine rollout, um, I don't know. I don't think I would play shows for at least another year um, just because I, I wanna feel okay playing shows again. Um, 
and after going for so long of, you know, not that I didn't feel okay playing shows before, but, you know, there was a sense of, of what I've discovered, a sense of, uh, and I don't mean this negatively, but there was a sense of compromise in playing shows before. I don't mm-hmm. want to go back to shows and have another, a different sense of compromise. Like, mm-hmm. is everyone here safe? Is everyone here, is this show putting, you know, this person in the audience's mother in danger, you know? And for me that in a year from now, I think we'll return to venues. I think spring 2021 will be a, a fun time. I, I w- I'd, I'd like it to be summer of this year, but um, like I said, it's kind of hard to gauge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our government's collapsing, so. You know, in the wake of what happened this summer with the Berger record shit and, you know, all, all of that, when shows do return, what do you think, you know, promoters like ourselves, bands, everyone involved even, could do to make it a safer experience, a, a more inclusive experience, an enjoyable time um, for all that maybe was overlooked before, or maybe some communities were doing it well. I don't know, just in your experiences, if you had any thoughts. I think that, you know, when shows do return and they ultimately will, um, I think you know, in regards to uh, Burger Records and uh, the traumas that they uh, created within the greater community. I think, you know, as I, I, I know what I can say from a musician standpoint, as someone that's playing shows is, you know, I think when you're a musician and, you know, especially when you're starting your musical career, however that may look, whether it's, you know, you're playing small shows in basements, you're playing small shows in bars, or maybe you're touring with a crazy large band that you've never toured with before. Um, it's never wrong to, to, musicians should never be afraid to say, hey, that's wrong hey, that's not how we're, that's not how we do this here. That's not what we're here for. Um, and, you know, if, if it, there's, it's hard to do that, I think, when, you know, there's this hierarchy, there's, whether we like it or not, there's a hierarchy that exists in music. But, you know, for me, as what I've learned as a musician is, um, I'm really not afraid to to say like, hey, that's fucked up, or hey, I fucked up, or, um, you know, the, the, we just have to hold ourselves as musicians to a higher level of accountability. And maybe that's reflecting inwards, maybe it's reflecting outwards, maybe it's analyzing situations you've been in in the past. How could you do things differently? Um, because ultimately what that will kind of create is the dialogue of, it's okay to talk about these things. It's okay to, when, 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 it, when it's safe to talk about them, as long as you're not, you know, um, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these issues in, in regards to Burger, they can bring up really traumatic memories, really things that people might not want to talk about. And that's okay. But as musicians and as show promoters, we have to be okay with the immediate uh, uncomfortability that comes with, mm-hmm. with recognizing and addressing these situations rather than like, 
looking the other way and saying, oh yeah, they're just being them or, oh, they're just being a band. Like we have to question it and look at it with, through a lens of, uh, you know, an uh, uh, inquisitive way of, you know, we don't have, you don't, you know, you don't always have to say, hey, you're fucked up, fuck you, don't do this. Uh, I always, if I, in, in situations I've felt strange or, you know, my personal experiences, I've, I've thought something was weird. I always ask people, what do they mean? You know, what do you mean by that? You know, um, I always give people, you know, a chance to explain maybe what something, you know, if something's a joke is made that's I think is weird or could be negatively effective towards someone in the community or, you know, situation. It's all situational as well. But I think, you know, generally as a community, we just have to be okay with these uncomfortable moments and situations because only when we own them can we get rid of them because they're here, they're, they're, you know, Berger showed us, you know, these, these structures, these situations are, you know, I, that this, this, this thing wasn't just exclusive to Berger records, unfortunately, right. you know, and we, we're now aware of it. We're more aware of it. Maybe now we're all more sensitive to it and that's a good thing. But to, what it looks like at a show is, you know, I went to a I went to a rave right before COVID ended, and on the the Facebook event for the rave, um, there were uh, not rules, but kind of a code of conduct of rave uh, of, of what's expected from people. Mm. And I should mention that the DJs here were uh, two trans women um, underground house music DJs. Um, so you know, ultimate so that sets a, a tone of, you know, of inclusivity, of being inclusive in a way, maybe rock shows don't necessarily have that baseline. Um, but what I learned is we, you can, we can incorporate that, that structure into shows, you know, and, and this, this particular event, you know, it was, it really outlined like what's acceptable behavior at these at, you know, at a rave, like we know what that environment's like or what we think that environment's like and to outline these, you know, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, I think is okay. Especially when things open up, especially we have the opportunity to kind of set a new standard of how we think shows should be. And I think we should, you know, as, as musicians, as show promoters, we can do that. Um, I think one of the things that was, well, that, that stood out to me was like, it was like, it was like no, you know, no leering, no, no approaching, no unwanted, you know, physical contact with people. Cause you know, in, in situations like shows and, and even, you know, electronic music events, you're close quarters and, you know, unfortunately anything can and will happen. Um, and it's okay to outline that and to shine lights on the, on that, you know, in a way that is, accessible to people to kind of say, hey, this is where we're at. This is what we accept with our community and this is what we don't accept. Um, and I think, you know, in, in the early 2000 teens when Burger was really popping off, I don't think that vibe was there. Um, it was just kind of like, I mean, everyone wanted to be associated with Burger and with whatever, you know, next tier that brings to you. But 
Um, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone should be afraid to 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 uh, say, "Hey, stop, wait, that's okay." Even if it's like backstage at a show with someone who is really big, like, "Hey, that's not okay," or you know, if you're reflecting, you can say, "Hey, I think that this was weird." Uh, I'm shining light on it, and you have that responsibility. Own it. We all need to own our own our community in a way that maybe we didn't before, um, but now we can. And you know, creating a safer space for for everybody, I think is it should. I think before before we you know start to plan book shows again, I think we should you know figure out what that looks like. What does booking a safer show look like? And don't be afraid to ask questions and ask people in the community what that would look like for them because um, that's how you create, I think, a better experience for people. That's true. Yeah, people may have just been taking for granted the old way or just the way that things have been without necessarily getting that feedback loop from the community. Like you just said, that's, that'd be huge. Yeah, just the community, what they want to see. I think uh, there's no harm in showing vulnerability uh and asking your community what what do they want what is the way you know you you get a lot of when, when you ask for feedback from a community it, you get a lot of ideas that you'll never think of yourself i can say that uh with full confidence um just because of like my line of work i you know have to research users and to build you know to build apps and you know, that that same system can apl be applied to any situation. Just ask ask the user, ask your community what, what they need, what they want, what makes them feel safe, what makes them not feel safe, what's the standard. And I think at that mm -hmm. point, that's, that's when it's a real community of music. And I think that's what we'll end up with at the end of, at the end of this uh, isolation period we're all going through. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, no, thank you for saying that. And uh, I think those are all excellent points. Um, and, you know, yeah, when shows do come back, I think it is good to, yeah, for everyone to, uh, you know, yeah, like try to, you know, reassess or even before the shows come back reassess like you know how we go about things um but yeah no i think this is a good uh a good note to to end on um and uh well i, I can't wait for whenever that day is that we can be at a show or see you play or yeah whatever you know one way or another hang out um yeah, I can't wait to tour again or, you know, yeah. kind of take the train up to Boston again, like I kind of did in the early days of Philly and see some Boston shows. Um, it made me, it, it, yeah, COVID has made me certainly miss the ability. What, you realize how much you miss something when you can't have it. And right. I, I find that uh, with, you know, shows in Boston, because I would still follow, I still followed Boston's vibe uh, being in Philly all the, for four years, but 
yeah, now I can't wait to kind of engage with it again. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully we're tour. I'll, I'll be touring or doing something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, perhaps we'll, we'll be in Philly someday. And yeah. We'll great. Come down and see a show. There's some, uh, I think, I hope there'll be venues left and hopefully there'll be new venues that spring up in their places. Um, you can always play in the streets. Exactly. Or, or warehouse, and there's no shortage That's of trips here. Did that warehouse that you lived in have a name? Yeah, it was called Warehouse, but where, like the place, right. with a question mark, house, oh. as one word. Yeah. So, like, where, question mark, house, one word. Uh, that's what we called it. Wow. Rest in peace, that spot. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I wish I took more photos. Uh, it was yeah. so wild. But, uh, yeah, I think the future shows will be different, but I think it will be a positive difference. And I definitely look forward to it again. I think everyone does. Um, and a year from now isn't, I feel like this year went by so fast. Another year, what's another year of waiting? Mm. That's, that's true, actually. It's, the time, as you might have mentioned before, the timeline's all wild. Yeah, the timeline's all messed Last up. summer. Yeah. <laughs> this feels yeah. like one weird dream. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. This has been great, Jesse. Really, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thank you, Jesse. You gave, giving us, you know, your time and everything and just delving into all this different stuff and your your whole uh you know story and everything. It's been it's been uh been a real pleasure. Yeah, I had so much fun. I'm so glad you guys are doing this too, because I've been going, you know, Chris, you asked me to be in the podcast but even before that like i saw your your stuff comes up in my feed oh nice um and you know i kind of i i had listened to matt garlic's podcasts uh, when it came out oh, yeah. Yeah. the yeah. audio was a little rough on that one because we were still it, getting used yeah <laughs> i noticed that i noticed fun, that though, but, I, but it was like yeah uh, we were still we like, recorded it through yeah it was crazy like yeah, we, were, was we were recording cool. a phone cool. conversation that's yeah. so funny. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's really cool what you guys are doing because it's it's cataloging a lot of, I think, experiences for people within a period of time of music that are now doing other great things and that have since done other great things. And I think that's really important to to have that. And and it kind of makes, uh, it, it does kind of fill that void of like not having shows to go to yeah. and you can listen to and tune in. Uh, congratulations on uh, your marriage, Glenn. Uh, oh, thank you so much. Uh, that's great. Happy for you. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool what you guys are doing. I think you guys should keep keep running with it. Um, I can't wait to like uh, plug it in my feeds. <laughs> ah, thank you. Totally. Yeah. But, Thanks but again, yeah, Jesse. Por- Porch by Sarah Lee and maybe a ski mask song. Uh, All right. <laughs> Porky uh, Pig. Yeah, Porky Pig. And can we put one of awesome. your songs? Oh yeah. Uh, not we'll put... the not the new not not the new ones. Uh, those aren't uh, really right. ready to be pushed. Uh, but you could put an old phase song. Put both phase songs. Sweet. Yeah, or use an old and yoke uh, first record song. I'm sure. sure. Be fine. Um, if Shane cool. sues you, just text me. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think you would ever do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's the music business for you. Talking to you guys. Uh, yeah, right, for sure. It was so nice talking to you guys and uh, kind of uh, uh, delving into that 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 world of uh, of music. It was cool. Likewise. Of course, she ate it. All right, talk soon, Jesse. All right. Yeah, be in touch. Thanks, guys. <laughs>